0: The following podcast contains explicit language.
1: Hello and welcome to Sex Lives, the New York Magazine sex podcast. I'm David Wallace-Wells and with me today are Maureen O'Connor, New York sex columnist. Hey, Maureen. Hey, David. And Allison Davis. How's it going?
0: Good. How about you?
1: Good. Today we're going to be talking about sexual stamina. Maureen's been working on a great column about what counts as going long, why we value it, what we get out of it, and how recently it's actually become a sort of common sexual value. We're also going to be talking about whether masturbation can ruin you for sex. A kind of long-standing urban legend, or so I think. I guess Dan Savage feels differently. Um, That seems to me a bit backwards and puritanical at base. And the amazingly blunt sort of sex instruction blog... How to Make Me Come, which we're already talking about making a recurring segment on this show. All right, on to our first topic. How long should it last? Maureen, maybe the best way to start is with the history you've been putting together. Um, Male sexual stamina seems like something so unavoidably in the air. I think I remember hearing about it on TV shows when I was like six years old, which is pretty amazing. But (laughs) actually, it's sort of a pretty recent sexual value, you're saying?
2: Um, I'm really curious what TV shows you were watching at age six, I don't remember the details.
1: I just feel like before I even really understood sex and the mechanics of sex i understood that like lasting long was good and like there was there was something called premature ejaculation that was like really (laughs) bad i feel like it's it's just like such a it's like a comedian's goldmine
0: it's true and missy elliott with a one minute man she does not want no one minute man you're right right there's so much sort of song too (laughs) there's so
2: much cultural buildup. right that the easiest way to sort of ding a man's masculinities to both can't get it up and, like, can't last. Although but, the
1: one-minute man thing is interesting because what's the data that you had that it's, like, the average is two point...
2: Well, here, let's get to that. There's there's a lot of variety <laughs> in the amount of time men last in what they call... Um, intravaginal ejaculation latency time, which is the moment from a dick entering a vagina to when it comes within a vagina. Can you say that phrase one more time? I like, didn't It's, fully it's too down. hot. It's, like too <laughs> it's too sexy. Intravaginal ejaculatory latency time. Oh, Maureen. I know. Everyone turn down your radios now. Um, so what actually inspired this column about sexual stamina to me, and I'm interested in both sort of how long sex lasts not just like penis and a vagina, but sort of across the board is what I'm trying to look at for this column. This woman, Rachel Hills, wrote a really good book called The Sex Myth, which I disagree with some of it. All of it's amazing, though, and it's sort of about what she argues is the overly large role that sex plays in the way we understand ourselves. So she wrote, It wasn't until the early 20th century that premature ejaculation began to be understood as a medical problem. And it wasn't until the 1960s that the problem expanded to encompass not just men who ejaculated before intercourse began, but also those who climaxed before their partners did. When the famous mid-20th century researcher Alfred Kinsey seemed to regard the quick ejaculator as a super male, equipped to efficiently spread his genes with minimum fuss, today the premature ejaculator is treated as a sexual failure. And she goes on to argue that this change in sort of cultural attitudes towards how long it takes a man to come has actually changed sexual behavior and the way people fuck. So she writes... Pretty dramatically. Crazily, Yeah. I mean, it's sort of unbelievable to me to think that even in a few decades, people could be fucking differently. You sort of assume the human body's the human body, it's right? Eternal. Yeah. And yet, she writes, Kinsey's 1948 studies found that 75 percent of American men orgasmed within two minutes of commencing intercourse. But more recent studies have reported a median time of between 5.4 and 7.5 minutes, suggesting that men may be adapting their sexual behavior to better fit the social ideal. It is no longer acceptable for the sex act to end before one party has even begun.
0: I like that. It sounds like, like Emily Post's manner <laughs> right? advice, you know.
2: <laughs> I mean, as soon as when I read it, at first I was shocked that something could change so radically that, I mean, we're talking between, between like double and four times the length of time. Um, and yet also... Once you think about it for another second, you think, well, I guess it does make sense that as recently as maybe four or five decades ago, men didn't care if women were having or women's pleasure wasn't considered the center of why sex occurred.
1: I think you could go even further and say for a lot of men, they probably weren't even paying attention to it. Not just that it wasn't the center, right. but like they may not have even, you know, like been watching no. for it.
2: Well, people, you know, the uh,
1: they were just like, off, female orgasm
2: was so sort of mixed up and confused until relatively recently.
1: One of the things that's interesting to me is that these numbers, I mean, even on the longer end of the median time, 7.5 minutes, still seems, by our cultural standards, like really short.
2: Right. This is one of the most fascinating points is, first of all, consistently when you say these numbers, everybody goes, that's all. (laughs) And I was trying to figure out why that's the case, which is what I sort of started looking at more studies and asking people about. Part of it, I think, is that people don't actually think of sex as just the moment when the dick enters and then when it's done. I mean, for a lot of people, that's not even one contiguous act necessarily or the entirety of what they consider to be sex. Um, But there was one really interesting study in 2012 in which uh, researchers gave 152 heterosexual couples, so both the man and the woman, were instructed to use stopwatches to time themselves and what they did was they split it so they timed it from the moment they start messing around to the moment the dick goes in and then they timed dick goes in moment guy comes and what was fascinating is that, first of all, the men and women reported slightly different times. The women consistently reported less time um, for the foreplay and intercourse. And Whoa. they were talking about the, literally the same act, right? <laughs> the guy was just estimating longer than the woman he was. Just, was like
1: choosing to wait a second before <laughs> clicking the stopwatch. Yeah, yeah,
2: something like that. It's crazy because some of the couples even just use one stopwatch together and yet somehow when it got it's written down. Quick. However, both of them, the women women and men both wanted more foreplay and longer intercourse. Interestingly, their ideals were both in like the 18 minute range for how long foreplay should last, men and women both. Um, women would report the foreplay only lasted 11 minutes, men would report it lasted 13 minutes. Intercourse, both men and women reported it around the 17 or 7 minute range as how long it actually lasted. Women said their ideal length was 14 minutes, men said the ideal length was 18 and a half.
1: Does that mean that, like, everybody is basically disappointed all the time in how long sex is lasting?
2: <laughs> so this was really difficult for me. And this is I interviewed the researchers who did this study and a lot of the sexologists. And what I couldn't figure out is that you could want longer intercourse and there can be physical reasons why that can't happen. There's no reason if you want your foreplay to last 18 minutes. Why don't you just do that? Yeah. There's If men and women both consistently say, I want to have 18 minutes of foreplay, why are they only doing the 11 or 13 minutes? Several of the sex researchers I ask go, I don't know. One goes, I guess they're stupid. (laughs) Great answer. Another one. um, One woman pointed out that she's like, well, you know, you can say that, like, I'd like to have sexy getaways every weekend, but I have a kids, I have a family. I have, you know, there are reasons why I can't have foreplay for 18 minutes every day. Maybe I'm in a rush. But what I really wonder... five minutes more. It's not that. I mean, it's like... It's not going to make or break your schedule. But <laughs> what I really wonder is if there's some sort of sex myth phenomenon here where they're either, A, people say, think they want longer sex, but they don't actually. You know, that when right. you ask how long do you want to have sex, you're like, all night long. Then when you're actually there, you're like, ah, done now.
0: <laughs> also, like, the, like, long intercourse, like actual, you know, D and V intercourse, after a while, like, it's just not pleasurable to have someone like pumping away in you. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's like if I wanted to sweat this much and like also chafe, I'd just go jogging. It's like, I, I don't know. I think there can be like t- you can last too long. That's Yes. That sort of thing, right?
2: Oh, totally. Yeah. And actually, the sort of flip side of premature ejaculation is called delayed ejaculation, which is a real problem that afflicts men. It's reported significantly less frequently, but it's also unclear whether it's reported less frequently because men just sort of don't understand that as a problem that they ought to you know seek help with
1: you know the the definition of premature ejaculation seems also totally in flux over the years right right? it's like it used to be actually you couldn't even get it inside that's how early you were coming
2: and also now it's like maybe
1: you just think that you're not lasting long enough and people are you know guys are defining that as premature
2: completely so then i was reading some other american researchers who would survey people and find out Do you think you have a premature ejaculation problem? This man named Eric Cordy, who works at Penn State, found that when men report having premature ejaculation, there's a direct correlation to how much he perceives himself as in control of when he ejaculates. But there is not a direct correlation with how long he's actually lasting. So there are men who come very quickly but don 't think they have a premature ejaculation problem there are men who who are lasting completely normal amounts of time but think they have a problem so some researchers have suggested renaming this um, there 's this Dutch guy who says we should call it premature like ejaculatory dysfunction, and the way you treat it is actually psychology or education that you treat it by telling them hey that 's a normal amount don't of time." Sweat it. Don't worry so much.
0: Seems better than just like giving them like a pill or something to slow it down. Well, I think sort
1: of like the the Kinsey approach to tell them that they're like super masculine.
2: (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) It's sort of the craziest topic, because even if you assume that some segment of the population is, you know, on the bell curve of how long people last is too far to the left, defining where that moment begins, like, is it when you come more than 80% of men? Is it, you know, 50%? Is it
1: I mean, just looking at these numbers again, it's like I think just the sort of received cultural wisdom would be that sex lasts actually a lot longer than it does. I think that like just being told that most men only last between five and seven minutes is like it's you have to come really quickly for that to make you feel like you're going too fast.
2: (laughs) (laughs) It's the other funny thing that I also wondered is whether... um, there's some element of when you're having sex, you think it's lasting longer than it is, which was when I was interviewing people sort of anecdotally, one of my friends was like, oh, um, he used the term time dilation, which you always hear when people talking about like psychedelic drugs of like time feels like it's moving at a different pace. And he's like, because sometimes I look at the minute, and be like, damn, we've been like banging for an hour. And he'll like look at the clock and be like, oh, that was 10 minutes. <laughs> you know that maybe yeah. there's just that we just aren't measuring time very well totally. or accurately totally. when we're having sex. Well,
0: time is a flat circle, right?
1: <laughs> also it seems I mean I just like speaking personally it seems to me like the main measure of like whether something lasted long enough is just whether the woman gets off yeah so like in most cases if that happens in a couple minutes that's great if it takes 15 minutes that's if you're taking 45 minutes to get a woman off like that's kind of I would say that's kind of a problem
0: I guess but then you have to be careful because it's like who's, whose problem is it then right Yeah. then it becomes very much like well she couldn't orgasm so like I tried as hard as I could for yeah as long as I could
2: and she couldn't come One of the researchers who did that study about foreplay versus intercourse, she pointed out that um, in other studies and in her clinical practice, she finds that men worry a lot about orgasming too soon. But women usually, she's like, I have literally never heard a woman say I orgasm too soon. But she's like, but I hear plenty of women who say it takes me too long to get there.
1: Right. Right. But you were also saying that there's a real lack of information and reliable studies about. How long it takes women to get off, right? Completely. And I mean,
2: some of that is related to the fact that, like, what you're trying to measure the woman doing is so sort of specific and variant. There are plenty of women that get off in, like, mere seconds with a vibrator, but if she's doing this or that, maybe it takes longer or shorter. Um,
1: Is the idea that it's less variable with men, that men basically last the same amount of time?
2: Interestingly, yeah, actually. There are studies where they've studied how long it takes men to come, and... Between masturbation and hand jobs from other people, it's pretty much the same time. Um, vaginal intercourse and oral intercourse almost have roughly the same time, like consistently within the guy, even though it might feel like longer or shorter, depending what you're doing. Or he might be trying harder, you know, if he's having vaginal intercourse, maybe he's going to focus himself on lasting longer. But right. pretty much when they just like go for it and let it happen the way that makes them happy, when it's in a wet orifice, it's one thing. And when it's in a hand, <laughs> it's something else pretty much. But with women, there is a huge amount of variation in how long it takes them to orgasm and when. And also, most women don't have what they call the refractory period, which is the post-orgasm recovery. So plenty of women can have multiple orgasms. What you're measuring until or when you're measuring from you know, the beginning of arousal to orgasm, orgasm to other orgasm, there's just a huge amount of variance. As far as I can tell, and also based on the people I spoke to, there's just not as much data on that. And there is like so little information about lesbian sex like there was i mean there's not that much information about gay men's sense of premature ejaculation and all that too there are some studies about it that suggest it's similar um in proportion to straight men
1: Well you also said there were at least a few studies that uh, suggested that they were much more afflicted with anxiety about it than straight men Yeah which is interesting
2: Totally fascinating so men in relationships are more likely to worry about premature ejaculation. Single men are more likely to have worries about erectile dysfunction. But gay men tended, so they had lower rates overall of reported premature ejaculation and erectile dysfunction, but they were off the charts way more likely to report yes to certain types of performance anxieties. Like, if I feel I'm expected to respond sexually, I have difficulty getting aroused. As I thought about this, I thought, I I don't know, I sort of, couldn't quite piece together why that would be the case. Just per- general
1: mm-hmm. performance anxiety, right? Yeah. I guess it's like it, there's a little bit less of that if you're in some unusual sort of like surprise sexual encounter rather than one that like you've been anticipating right. mutually for a long time. hmm
2: And there's sort of... um. But
1: I don't know why it would be more the case with gay guys than with straight guys. It was
2: interesting. So when I just anecdotally talked to people, I heard this sort of split attitudes towards performance among gay men. Some pointed out that, like, well, there's a certain level of realism because, like, we've both got dicks. We both know how dicks work. We know that when it's getting soft, it's just the thing that happens sometimes. (laughs) You know, like, there's sort of a realism. But then there's also, um, I think, a sense of sort of performance comparisons in some ways. Um, Or just more comparison because maybe there's just a more culture of (laughs) realism. recognizing and talking about and looking at dicks and talking you know
1: in a straight coupling situation you're like this is the dick that we're working with there's
2: only (laughs) one i cannot compare this to (laughs) anything else right now (laughs) yeah and there's more i think i i think there's more of a taboo on talking about like all the dicks you've seen with your boyfriend (laughs) than um i don't know some dudes take real offense or real issue with that whereas when everyone's got a dick i mean it seems like there's a little more openness yeah But then so that openness can either lead to realism or sense of competitiveness or wanting to outperform the predecessors.
1: All right. So we've been talking about sexual stamina and just why we care about it so much. Let's move on to our second topic, the death grip. Maureen, do you maybe want to introduce this one?
2: Yes. I mean, this is sort of stamina related. Uh, So the death grip is this possibly mythic phenomenon that circulates on the Internet and people have men have a lot of anxiety about it. Um, And it's this theory that by masturbating too hard, by gripping too hard on your dick, you can ruin your dick and ruin your ability to come, ruin your ability to have great sensation. And so this writer Mike Pearl at Vice wrote an article that basically debunked what sort of for decades huge portions of the Internet have had great anxiety about. It's a phenomenon that Dan Savage probably first described as so many Sexual neologisms. And he, he seems <laughs> come really to
1: believe it. Like he.
2: He does. It was 2003. He described um, some guy wrote in saying he was having difficulty coming. And he wrote about a hookup who needed, in order to come, had to masturbate extremely violently oh. and like really, really hard. And then he was like, that guy had to relearn how to come. So this guy, Mike Pearl, goes and he interviews urologists, sexologists, whatnot. And they kind of point out that. Of the many things that could be causing a man to have difficulty coming or maintaining erection, the so-called death grip, most of them think that doesn't actually have an effect, but they say it's really far down on the list. The more likely problems are, you know, drinking, if you're depressed, if you have anxiety, um, if you have diabetes, if you have nerve issues, that there's like 8,000 <laughs> so things. So factors. They did say that some people have what they call idiosyncratic masturbation which might be the way they're holding their dick but it could be like you just really need to be touched in this one place or you're you know you've created some kind of gestalt in your mind about what you need in order to come.
1: Yeah, it ha- it was interesting to me that it suggested that like so much of what you need to come is just learned behavior and you can find yourself in one pattern or another where you're dependent on like I mean, I guess if you're masturbating, it's like how you're how you're doing it or what you're looking at. But beyond that, other kind of sexual encounters, like if you need to be fucking in one particular way or. Right. Um, so much of what you think of as being basically animal desire is actually totally learned behavior and can be revised by
2: right. training. It's something you discover, particularly in masturbation, like in total privacy when you're kind of young and, I mean, you can develop really weird habits.
1: Yeah, in the article there was some guy who was, like, uh, like only jerked off into, like, the same pillow that he had been jerking <laughs> oh, off God, into. Oh, God, so her.
2: gross. Yeah. yeah, and then he came to only be able to come into this pillow. <laughs> Like imagine, like, joke. you're
1: fucking some guy and he pulls out a pillow that has like 40 <laughs> years of cum Ew. baked into it. I
2: really
0: needed this. I can't finish without this.
1: I can't come on your face, but I am going to come on this
0: pillow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's so uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> but I really like how this, like, the death grip has such a, like, Cult discussion around it. Well, what a it. phrase. It's I like know, the best <laughs> phrase.
2: <laughs> right. But
0: curedeathgrip.com is something that was mentioned in that article, which right. like, someone bought the URL to like really <laughs> like, share information about the death grip. I mean, no. I didn't realize it was- I had never heard of this until you brought it to the table.
2: Sexual myths sort of grow in a right. certain way, and people become very invested in it. But it also makes sense to me that all these psychologists point out is that there's a huge component of sex and what we think of as sexual success is tied to our confidence and like the placebo effect is extraordinarily great in sex. So, you know, if a guy goes to curedeathgrip.com and then he feels like he takes some actions that make him think he's going to be better at sex, like he might actually end up better at sex.
1: Although on the other hand, like the fact that people are worrying about death grip may make him worse at sex, right?
2: True. Also a good point.
1: But there's a counterpart with women, right? There's another piece that you wanted to talk about, which is about vibrators ruining your vagina.
2: Right. So Lauren Bands wrote for Cosmo this amazing article um, in 2014, and the, the the headline was "Is My Vibrator Ruining My Vagina?" That's a definite click, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and she concludes. She argues that she got too used to using her vagina, or she got too. <laughs> <laughs> She got too used to using her vibrator and that then she wasn't able to get off in other ways. And she claimed that she used to be able to get off in other ways, but the vibrator had like desensitized her or um I think the phrase she used was, after years of essentially power exfoliating my lady part, I found that coming in other ways was her level phrase? of concentration on par with taking the SATs. Um So she also consults a sex therapist, and the sex therapist tells her to, you know, dish the vibrator, focus on getting off without it. And she discovers she can, but it takes about 45 minutes. So then the sort of duality there is whether she actually could only come with her vibrator or just that the efficiency the vibrator lent her made everything else seem excruciatingly forever. (laughs)
0: I think that that's probably the, it's the latter, right? That's like another, the, to say it's habit again, like you're so used to be able to come quickly and on autopilot that when you have to do it yourself, it's like, oh, this is going to take forever. Can yeah. Can I even do it? So, but did
1: it, had it taken that long before she found this particular vibrator, before she started using it so much, like when she was younger?
2: Um, she's not totally sure because I think there's also the element that she points out it wasn't a problem till she had her first boyfriend right. and then yeah. sometimes she would, sometimes, you know. Right. What a lot of people point out is, like, if you get horny enough from forcing <laughs> yourself to not, say, masturbate in the specific pillow manner that you do or using your vibrator, if you get horny enough, eventually you're going to fuck and you're going to, you know, like you'll be doing something. You'll find a way to come from the other methods you're trying to use.
0: Well, humanity will always Most find of the a time. Way, right? Yeah. And
2: if not, then, you know, just have sex and do the thing you need. <laughs> <Wait>. <laughs> At the end, your coda can be that every time.
1: We've been talking about the death grip and whether uh, vibrators can ruin vaginas. Now let's move on to our last subject, how to make me come. Allison, do you want to introduce this amazing?
2: Yeah. <laughs>
0: sure. Um, so there's a, a blog that uh, The Cut was hipped to called How to Make Me Come," And it was basically like the simplest yet most brilliant idea. The woman who remain, wishes to remain anonymous set up a Tumblr and wrote a little essay about and frustration she had um, not being able to orgasm and encouraged other women to write in and share, you know, their stories of how they came or questions about how do I come or I can't come, and it turned into this really great, completely anonymous um Kind of uh, forum for women to discuss orgasms openly, and I was reading and I was like, "Oh, look at all these tips that are kind of manifesting." What
1: were what were like the leading tips? He asks, like leadingly.
0: (laughs) 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 Um, (laughs) I mean, it's mostly it's a lot of communication, which like might disappoint you. I'm sorry, but you know what what I like
2: to talk about it. What I liked about this is that. People say how to make them come, but they're specific. You know, like one woman writes, like, okay, so first you're going to stroke the top of my clit. Then once I get going, put a second finger on the left side, not the right, the left. Do it really specific. You know, that yeah. it's, and then it, like four minutes later, I should. It's so it's like specific. A, it's a specific. But recipe. are they so
1: specific then that it's like not really helpful as advice, except to that woman's particular. Dude.
2: Dana Evans, our coworker at The Cut, who did the interview, said, So, do you think this blog is demystifying the female orgasm, which is sort of a concept that we always love to hear and talk about? And the woman goes, Honestly, now that I've read them, it's kind of more mystifying because <laughs> <I know>. everyone <laughs> does it differently. Right. <laughs> anything
0: goes, yeah.
2: <laughs> which is kind the of sheer nice variety, think, right? That, like, yeah. you can just try anything and throw anything Maybe, at the wall it'll
0: stick. Maybe, I know. You know, who knows? But I think it's also so important to, like, sit there and think about, well, what does make me come write it down, and then hopefully the next time you're with a partner, you will feel, like, more empowered
2: just to say, like,
0: four strokes to the left, sir, or, like, get out of my bed.
2: (laughs) No, the sort of putting it actually into words, and then you're like, well, those are all the words I need to use. There's the sentence that needs to be said. I'll just
0: print it out and give it to you. (laughs) Um, But do you you think, one thing I was thinking when I was reading some of the very, very specific lists... um, was like if I was like shouting this out to somebody in bed, like wouldn't that be such a buzz kill? You know, if I was like no. to the left, to the right, up, d- to, you the know, left, just- to the left, to the left. Like I just, I don't know. Do you guys think it's kind of a buzz kill to be? I think Joel it, d- it depends
1: on the dude and the encounter. But there's True. a way in which like. Making him feel like a total object that you're just manipulating would be hot to him, not the opposite.
0: Actually sounds pretty good to me as well, but...
2: I've always thought... (laughs) I can remember moments when I think I've had that anxiety, that being overly... It was just, like, embarrassing to say, like certain anatomical words you know <laughs> or describing things yeah. but like in my experience the guy just wants to make you come and like <laughs> he's going to feel like a champ if he makes you come and if you know your specific directions get him there he's just going to be happy right and then he'll want to do it again
0: it's like that Amy Schumer skit um, did you guys see that one where she's like here's a map to my my G spot and this guy <laughs> had to like climb through her vagina and it took like, <laughs> like, like 27 years and then finally she like he came out and she goes oh that was so good and he had a grizzled beard and was like it took so long. (laughs) But I I mean, I feel like sometimes it's just that complex, which is great. Everybody should have their own treasure map. But I feel like men might be overwhelmed by...
2: um, I mean, figuring out your own personal treasure map is like a lifetime (laughs) odyssey, I think. It's
0: overwhelming for all. Yeah, that's funny.
2: Do you think if there was a How to Make Me Come that men were writing... What would our results be? Would they be as fascinating? (laughs) Would it just read as awful? Would it just be dumb?
0: I think it would be so boring, right? (laughs) No no offense. Just like a few hand strokes and a. Is that too simple?
2: I would say, I would guess that
1: most men would just feel like they had many more ways. Uh, Ah, interesting. Sort of like the assumption of this blog is like, you know, maybe women have a few different ways, but it's not like thousands of different ways and I think most men would be like really you can you could do most things and it would still work
0: (laughs) it's liberating for everyone
2: (laughs) yeah I guess so
1: so we're talking about um, the treasure map uh, of how to make me come and that's it for this week's Sex Lives our producer is Sam Dingman thanks also to Henry Malofsky Laura Mayer and Andy Bowers at Panoply for Maureen O'Connor and Allison Davis I'm David Wallace-Wells we'll talk to you next time and thanks for listening